Welcome and thanks for listening to the Community Christian Church Podcast. To learn more about Community Christian Church, visit us online at cccsterling.org. Today's message comes from Pastor Tony Ria. Once again, good morning. Welcome to Community Christian Church. It's so good to have you with us. We're in the middle of a message series we've entitled Come and See. As I mentioned in lesson number one of this series, our objective is a better understanding of the ministry, the life, and the mission of Jesus. That's what this series is all about. We're going after a greater understanding of Jesus. Recorded in the Gospel of John, when asked by two potential disciples, where are you staying, which basically meant, who are you and what are you all about? Jesus answered and said, come and see. Come and see. And that's what we're attempting to do with this series. We're responding to Jesus' invitation to follow him around for a while. And in so doing, allow the Holy Spirit to speak to our hearts, to give us insight and a better understanding of him. We desire for our eyes to be open and for us to have understanding. And how many of you know we need that today? Especially with what's happening in our world. We need spiritual discernment. That's the only way that we're going to live at a good level of peace and joy and confidence in God. What's going on in Israel today, and I really appreciate Pastor Dave taking some time and praying about it. What's going on in Israel, how many of you know, is a wake-up call. It's a wake-up call. But not just for the Jewish people, it's a wake-up call for the church. For you and me to turn to God with a whole heart. And please note, I didn't say to be filled with fear or anxiety or to freak out. I said to turn, to pray, to lift our eyes, to put our trust in him. That's what Jesus said. Because signs are for that reason, to wake us up and to get our attention. So today, in lesson number three of this series, what I want to do is I want to talk a little bit about the death of Jesus. And you heard me correctly. I want to talk about the cross of Jesus or the death of Jesus. And right out of the starting gate, I want to say without the cross, we wouldn't even be gathered here today. Take the cross out of Christianity and there is no Christianity. The only way that we could ever experience salvation and redemption everlasting life for the peace of God is through the cross and it's a significant part of why we gather together and I was so blessed uh, this morning as we began to sing songs about the cross of Jesus Christ and what that means for us what he did for us now John 3.16 what I like to refer to as the hallmark verse of the Christian faith it's a verse that most everybody knows. Maybe you even have it memorized. You recognize it quickly. John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world, he what? He gave. God so loved the world, he gave his one and only Son, that whosoever believes in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. 
When you interpret this passage of scripture, this powerful verse, in light of many other verses in the Bible, you will conclude that the God so loved the world, he gave peace, literally talks about his death. God gave or God sent his son into the world with the mission to die. Remember that? There was a long list of things that Jesus did. And we know he went to the lost sheep of the house of Israel and he taught many things. But his mission was to die. That was the plan. Jesus left heaven, came to earth to sacrifice his life. John the Baptist identified him as the Lamb of God who was slain before the foundation of the world. The scripture tells us it was just a few days before Jesus was arrested by the temple guards that he engaged the disciples in intimate conversation and he said to them, my heart is troubled. And what shall I say? Father, deliver me from this hour? No, he said, this is the purpose of this hour. This is the reason why I came. I came into the world to die. I came to save the world from their sins. Now, I have been preaching and defending the gospel message wholeheartedly for the past 40 years. And over the years, I have learned to sidestep and even forego heated doctrinal debates. And the reason I've done this is because they typically don't end well. When I encounter someone who's uh, very opinionated and passionate about their doctrine, I have a tendency to back off a little bit. Especially if what we're discussing is what I'll call a non-essential doctrine, like eschatology or the end times, water baptism, or worship styles. You see, when it comes to doctrine, I have adopted this little phrase or expression. It might be good for you to think about this and remember it. Here it is. In the essentials, or the absolutes, unity. In the non-essentials, liberty. But in all things, charity. From my perspective, love and charity and patience and kindness, that should win out with every doctrinal debate or discussion that we have. Now, by all means, take a stand for what you believe. And don't be afraid to share your opinion. But the scripture mandates us to speak the truth in what? In love. And even when it comes to doctrine, we shouldn't lose our composure or get really upset with people. That said, like Jude, the brother of Jesus, or the half-brother of Jesus, I do find it necessary to contend for the essential doctrines of the faith, especially when the doctrines are come against with a contrary view or a, a contrary idea that begins to surface and then gain some momentum among the people. These days, mostly on social media, uh, I've been hearing a message that minimizes the significance of the cross. And that's something I'm very passionate about. There's a lot of discussion, a lot of talk going on about the cross of Jesus Christ. And many Christian people, not unbelievers, but believers, they're 
basically saying that it was unnecessary for God to subject Jesus to all of that pain and suffering. That yes, maybe Jesus had to die for the sins of the world, but he didn't have to die that way. He didn't have to die horrific death on the cross, the one that we read about, the one that we talk about, uh, the one that we share all about the blood that he shed. And so I'd like to talk about that for just a moment. I'd like to address the issue of the cross. Was it really that necessary for Jesus to go to the cross and die uh, the crucifixion, to, to suffer the crucifixion? And as we get started here, what I want to do is I want to visit Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane. Remember, he used to go to the Garden, and there, uh, throughout his earthly ministry, he would spend time in prayer. And the Scripture tells us just a couple of hours before he went to his death on the cross, on the night that he was betrayed, once again, he and his disciples were in the Garden, they were praying. Well, the Scripture says that Jesus was praying, the disciples were sleeping. Here's the passage in Matthew chapter 26, records the prayer. Matthew 26, 36 through 39. Then Jesus went with his disciples to a place called Gethsemane. And he said to them, sit here while I go over there and pray. He took Peter and the two sons of Zebedee, James and John, along with him, and he began to be sorrowful and troubled. Then he said to them, my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. Going a little further or a little farther, he fell with his face to the ground and prayed, my father, if it is possible, if it is possible, may this cup be taken from me, yet not as I will, but as you will. Okay, that's good. Here in the garden, we see the humanity of Jesus. And he used the words, overwhelmed to the point of death. He was overwhelmed to the point of death. I don't know if you've ever been there. If you've ever found yourself in a situation where you were facing death and you literally saw your life flash before your very eyes. That happened to me one time. Once when I was in the police department, I was in a situation where death was very possible. This is what happened with Jesus. He sensed death. He felt death. And in that desperate frame of mind, he began to pray. And as part of the prayer, he surrendered his life to the will of the Father. And that's a prayer that many of us are familiar with. It's a prayer that we can relate to. Because oftentimes we have to pray the same prayer. When we get to the end of our rope and we find ourselves in a situation and things aren't changing, sometimes we are compelled to say, Father, not my will, but yours be done. And so Jesus prayed that prayer. He said, I surrender my life to your plan and purpose. I accept your way of doing things. I'm not going to fight for my own way. That was the first part of the prayer, all about the will of God. But do you remember the second part? 
or that, that was the second part. The, the first part is what I want to get to now. The first part of the prayer. Do you remember that? In verse 39, Matthew chapter 26 and verse 39, Jesus said, Father, if it is possible, may this cup be taken from me. So he prayed that he could surrender himself to the will of God. He said, not my, my will, but yours be done. But then he also prayed this prayer. He said, Father, if it is possible, may this cup be taken from me. When you take a look at this prayer and what Jesus was going through, you discover that what he was actually doing was begging God to take him off the hook. He did not want to go through the cross experience. Now, we already covered the fact that Jesus knew he came to die. He said, for this reason was I born, to come into the world to die on the cross. But here, just a few hours before it happened, when he realized what he was going to be going through, and he understood what he was facing and the excruciating pain that the cross would be, he was overwhelmed, and he said, God, You've got to come up with another plan. You've got to change uh, what we've agreed on because I just don't think that I can go through with this. And it was Luke who tells us that there was so much physical and emotional anguish and distress at this time that in order for Jesus to continue, an angel from heaven had to be dispatched to the garden in order to strengthen him. Jesus needed help in that moment. So here's my question to you. Because we read these verses and we know these verses well. And sometimes we lose sight of exactly what was happening and what was taking place and how they relate to us. My question is, when Jesus cried out to the Father, when he fell on his face in agony and in desperation, and appealed to the Father to sidestep the cross, that he wouldn't have to go to the cross, if there was a plan B available, a different option or a different strategy was possible, do you think that God the Father would have made it happen for his one and only Son? I think he would have. No doubt in my mind, but he didn't change the plan, did he? Even though Jesus appealed to him in his desperation, even though Jesus cried out, being so overwhelmed, God did not modify the plan. He kept the cross in play. And that's all the validation I need to know that Jesus went to the cross and he had to die that death on the cross in order for us to receive all of the blessings and the benefits that we enjoy today. And the Apostle Paul felt the exact same way. He agrees with me. Because in 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 18, Paul said, the message of the cross is foolishness. It's what? It's foolishness. It appears as foolish to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, what is it? It's the power of God. The Amplified Version says the cross is the manifestation of God's power. Think about that for a minute. The cross, not anything else, but the cross is the manifestation of God's power. It's the display, the demonstration, the proof, and the evidence of his dominion and his glory. The cross, 
And so we could never diminish or minimize what the cross means to us. It is the power of God onto salvation. All right, I'd like to read, uh, with all of this in mind, I'd like to read a couple of verses from the book of Romans. And just to set the stage, a brief overview or summary of Romans would break the letter down into four main parts or four different sections. The first section of the book of Romans talks about the wrath of God. Say that, the wrath. The wrath of God, everybody's favorite. A second section would be the grace of God. Then there's a section in the book of Romans that talks about the plan of God. And then the fourth section is about the will of God. So there's the wrath, the grace, the plan, and the will of God. Now, I don't know how often you find yourself in Romans reading through that book, but how many of you know it's not an easy book to get through? Oftentimes when I'm reading Romans, I read a couple verses, I stop, I go back, I reread it, I think about it, I don't understand it, I pray, I go back again, and I still don't get it. Anybody else can say that? In 2 Peter 13, verses 15 through 16, Peter said, my dear brother Paul also wrote to you with the wisdom that God gave him, his letters contain some things that are what? Hard to understand, no joke. No exaggeration. Peter said, and Peter was up there when it came to his ability to, re, uh, re, uh, to receive revelation. Peter said, Paul, God took him to places none of us have been to. And he has some wisdom. He, he knows what he's talking about. But sometimes, Peter says, I, I struggle to understand what he, what he means. And that encourages me. That makes me happy because, you know, he wasn't afraid to admit. I'm not afraid to admit. Some things I don't understand. Got to read them through a couple of times. That's why the ministry of the Holy Spirit is so important. With Holy Spirit guidance and our Bible study, our eyes are open. And we will conclude that Romans is a masterpiece. When you can get the whole picture, those four parts that I just told you about, put them all together you will discover that in the book of Romans, Paul presents to us an amazing manifesto on God's salvation and eternal life. It's an incredible book. It talks all about the salvation that is made available to us as the saints of God, the, the same salvation that Jesus purchased for us with his blood. That salvation that can only come again because of the sacrifice Jesus made on the cross, the power of the cross. And Romans talks all about uh, this great gift of salvation and eternal life that God has graced us with. Let's start with Romans 3.23. It declares that all have sinned and come short, they have fallen short of the glory of God. How many of you know if one person could have lived a sinless life, a perfect life, Jesus would never have had to go to the cross. Just one person on the planet. They could have got it right all the time. Jesus wouldn't have had to die on the cross. But the fact of the matter is, the very first Adam and Eve, uh, the very first man and woman, Adam and Eve, all the way to today, we've all fallen short. We've all missed the mark. No exceptions. We all fail God. 
But thankfully, Romans 3.23 is not the end of the story. Uh, Paul didn't end with Romans 3.23. There's a Romans 6.23. Romans 6.23 says the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Eternal life is beautiful and as wonderful as it is. According to Paul, it comes with condition. And that leads us to Romans 10.9. Romans 10.9 says, if, that's the conditional word there, if you will confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart God raised him from the dead, then you shall be saved. If you will confess the Lord Jesus. You see, confession is all about the lordship of Jesus. Not just knowing the story, but allowing the gospel message to work its way deep into your heart. And with this heartfelt connection with God, it changes everything. There are so many good Christian people today who only have a little idea of what salvation means. They know the story. They know what happened. They may even have said the sinner's prayer. And they have this casual relationship with God. But it's the deep connection that changes our lives. Where the focus is no longer us or our will. But what God can and will do through us. What he wants to do with your life. There's a purpose he puts you on the planet. There's a reason why you're here. And it's not just to have everything your way and to have all your prayers answered and to make sure that everything is good with you. God has something he desires for you to do. And he puts you through a lot of paces in order to get you to the place that you need to be. But here's the good news. and In fact, here's the best news. The more you're willing to surrender to God, the more you give up, the more you say, here I am, Lord, not my will but yours be done, the more you will receive from him, the greater the blessing. And that's not my words. That's not just something we say to try to get you moving in the right direction. Uh, that concept comes right from Jesus himself, the person who we're examining in this series, the person who said, come and see. In Matthew chapter 25 and verse 29, Jesus said this, and, and this is a hard saying sometimes. It, it, sometimes it's not easy to digest Jesus' words and his instructions, but here's what he says in Matthew 25, 29. To those who use well what they are given, even more will be given, and they will have an abundance. But from those who do nothing or refuse to apply themselves, even what little they have will be taken away. This is an incredible truth that Jesus is teaching. It goes well beyond financial giving or material generosity. It's a principle here of sowing and reaping. You find it in every aspect of life, especially when it comes to how we receive from God. We have to open our hearts wide in order to get the best that God has for us. And again, the more that we give up, the more that we surrender the more we're willing to go through on his behalf, the more blessing that comes our way. And so for true believers, in addition to salvation and eternal life, if that wasn't enough, the book of Romans talks to us about this tremendous benefit package that is ours 
when we fully lock into the message of the cross. That's why it's so important to talk about this. I mean, we understand the cross. We know that Jesus died on the cross. But to, to understand fully the impact of the cross, like Paul said, I want to know him. I want to know the power of his resurrection. I want to know the fellowship of his suffering, being made like him in his death. We love the resurrection part, don't we? But there's also the death part. And the scripture says, and some of these verses we're going to read here in Romans, that there is a tremendous amount of blessing that comes our way when we buy into the message of the cross. Romans chapter 5, verses 1 through 4. Let's read every word carefully here. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through him, we have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand. And we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. Not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that the suffering produces endurance, and endurance uh, produces character, and character produces hope. All right, from these verses, let me give you five incredible amazing spiritual benefits that God gives to us. Are you ready? You should be. You want, you want these. And here they are. Number one, justified by faith. Number two, peace with God. We have access to God's grace. Number four, we can rejoice in hope. And number five, we can even rejoice in our sufferings. I want to go back now and I want to reread this passage and I want you to see where these are at so you don't think I just made them up. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, it's number one, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, that's two. Through him we have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand, that's three. We rejoice in hope of the glory of God, that's four. And not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings, that's five. Knowing that suffering produces endurance, endurance produces character, and character produces hope. I only have a couple of more minutes. And what I want to do in those, in, in those few minutes is to quickly highlight all of these. But I'm going to encourage you. Spend some time this week. Go back. Reread these four verses. And allow the Lord, the Holy Spirit, to impress upon you how great these blessings really are. And they all come to us because of the cross. All right, number one, we have been justified by faith. Faith in the finished work of Jesus, what Jesus has already done. He doesn't have to do anything else, friend. Jesus has done it all. He's completed it. He said it is finished. And we're justified because of what he has done for us. Now, whenever I see this word in scripture and it's there often, I want to fall down on my knees before the Lord because justified means the cross has presented me to God as righteous. It's not how I should be presented before him. But because of the cross, I am seen in God's sight and in his eyes as righteous. 
He sees me just as if I had not sinned. That's what, what this word's all about. Just as if I had not sinned. You see, justification describes the great spiritual exchange. God treated Jesus the way that we should have been treated, with death. But then God treated us the way Jesus deserved to be treated, and that is with, right, with righteousness. We are righteous in his sight because of Jesus. And if we fully understood the benefits of justification, we would not allow the devil to push us around. We would not allow him to harass us and to assault us and to accuse us with guilt and condemnation every time we fail. We're justified before the Lord. God sees us the same way that he sees his son because of the cross. Next, because of the cross, we have peace with God. A peace that is so much more than a feeling. I'm talking about a tangible, touchable substance. Peace with God means the war is over. We are not at war with God. There's no conflict between us and God. Because of peace, we can experience shalom. That's complete wholeness. Nothing missing, nothing broken. Philippians 4, 7 says, the peace of God which surpasses all understanding, that means it goes beyond whatever you can understand, it will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. When you have peace, the peace that God provides for us, it's like having a military garrison around you and nothing can penetrate it or prevent it. The peace of God is a powerful blessing to have in our lives. Then number three, Romans chapter five also tells us that we have access to God's grace. You know, this doesn't mean a lot to people because we talk so much about grace. We throw grace around every day. We're always talking about grace. But even though we talk about grace, there are many people today that just don't feel as though God's gonna come through for you. We're reluctant to think that God's grace is good for me, that it's sufficient for me. Maybe for everybody else, but not for me. God's grace will never fail. He never runs out of grace. Maybe you used up a good portion of it. There's still more grace available for you. And you as a believer who understands the power of the cross has, has access to God's grace. You can come before the throne of God. You can make your requests known to him, even if those requests are for yourself. And you can receive the, uh, the encouragement and, and the strength to endure whatever you're going through. The scripture says that when Jesus died, the moment he breathed his last breath and died, what? The veil in the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. It opened up the pathway to God's throne of grace. And there's no one on the planet, listen, there's no one who deserves God's grace more than you because of Jesus. You deserve God's grace. And you have access to God's grace. And you can come to God's grace and to his throne and expect that he's going to hear you and respond to you. So we're justified by faith. We have peace with God. We have an open door to his grace. And number four, we can rejoice in hope. And check this out. One of my favorite verses in the Bible when it comes to hope, Hebrews 6.19 says that hope is the anchor of our soul. 
Hope is the anchor of our soul. What does that mean? It's the anchor of our soul. What does an anchor do? It secures the ship. It prevents the ship from drifting off course too far. Hope keeps us uh, in, in line. It keeps us where we're supposed to be. Keeps us moving forward. Not one degree off course. Keeps us with our chins up. Our eyes fixed on Jesus. With a joyful and faith-filled expectation of the future. Regardless of what we're going through. Hope tells us today and tomorrow is a gift from God. It's a blessing. It's a gift. We have that hope. And finally, because of the cross... Not only do we hope and rejoice in hope and anticipate that tomorrow will be better than today, but we rejoice in our sufferings. We can rejoice during our tests and trials. We can have joy when we're going through a tough place and a rough patch, knowing that he is faithful and he will not abandon us. He will get us through. The scripture says in Psalm 34, 18, beautiful promise, the Lord is near to the brokenhearted. He saves and rescues those who are crushed in spirit. You know, when you find yourself in a difficult place, when you're going through it and you're broken, it's like a God magnet. God will come to you. He'll make himself known to you. His presence will be real. And even beyond his faithfulness, we can rejoice and be glad uh, knowing that our sufferings are helping to transform us more into his image and likeness. That's what the scripture says. It produces things in us. When we're having a really difficult time with any situation we're facing, it's working to make us more like him. And so the cross of Jesus Christ and his death and all of what that means, it speaks to our hearts. It's so much more than a doctrine or a belief or an opinion. It's more than Christian theologians and people that have studied their Bibles coming together and discussing what it's all about. It's the power of God onto salvation for everyone who believes. Everyone. And I'm thinking about a time when John the Baptist was put in prison And here was a man who sold out to the gospel message, lived in the desert, ate bugs, wore ridiculous-looking clothes. First time he laid eyes on Jesus prior to his ministry, he said, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. I mean, a saint of all saints. Jesus said there's none greater than John the Baptist. A prophet of prophets gets thrown in prison and sends his disciples to Jesus with a question. Do you remember what it was? Are you really the one? 
or do we look for somebody else? Do you remember Jesus' response to him? Go back and tell John what's happening. The lame walk, the blind see, the lepers are cleansed, people are getting saved. And let him know the kingdom of God has come to him. Maybe you're in a place right now and just with everything that's going on in our world and maybe in your own world, you're starting to question this whole gospel message. Everything that you've been taught is a believer. You know, it's, it's, it's a time right now where people are doubting and their, their, their faith is being shaken. Now's the time for us to allow our faith to be strengthened. Amen. Because God is doing a work in the church. God is telling us it's time to go after him. And I pray that you're feeling it in your heart. I, I pray that you sense the call. It all starts with what Jesus did for us on the cross. It ends there as well. Let's bow our heads for prayer. Father, we take just a moment here this morning and we thank you for your presence in this place. We thank you for your anointing. So much greater, Lord, than anything we have to say. It's, it's the empowering gift of the Holy Spirit that speaks to our hearts. And Lord, for every person now in this room or who's listening, watching, even beyond today, appropriate what we just said to me, God. Do it for me. Lord, I pray our eyes would be open. That's what we want with this series. We, we want to come and see. We want, to, we want to learn. We want to see beyond what we've seen in the past. Show us your glory, oh God. Even in the midst of our trials and tests and all the conflict that we see in our world today, show us your glory. Let us see it. We thank you, Lord, for your promises. Justified by faith. Peace with you. Access to your throne of grace. Ability to rejoice and have hope and even endure our sufferings, Lord. If there are any among us here, any listening to my voice who have not yet made a full commitment to the Lord Jesus Christ, I pray, Lord, that you would emphasize Romans 10, 9 in their heart right now. If you will confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart, God raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. And all the wonderful blessings that follow. Thank you, Lord. Pray that you move as only you can in these closing moments. Pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Let's all stand.